Hello. 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 Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Anne. Hi, um, it, Ursula. Good hello. <laughs> well, welcome to um, our wonderful radio show. Um, it's uh, it's Tuesday, and um, we are excited to be here and uh, share some of our knowledge and our wisdom and um and how probably neuro- some of our probably some <laughs> of our questions too as we, yes. as we muddle around in this interesting area of neuroscience and consciousness yes ex- exactly and i i really like the way you're beginning um in regards to questions because um i really would like to um hold this as a as a conversation between us and our listeners of what you know what is what is interesting what's uh, what's different and the question certainly that i have and that you might have in in whatever topic we are talking about so where do you want to start today well you know it's a it's an interesting um intersection this this neuro i mean it's a bold claim potentially that we're making that we can even talk about neuroscience and consciousness um so I think we should start by talking about consciousness, and it's it's a bit of maybe telling our story about, you know, it's one of the questions people ask me a lot, maybe they ask you too, Ursula, it's like, how did you get into neuroscience? Like, what ever possessed you to, you know, go down that road? <laughs> yeah, that's really, that that's true. Insanity. Yeah. Um, I do. So, you know, what I like to say to people, um, I don't know what you say, what I say is, uh, I, you know, for me, the fascination is ultimately not with neuroscience. The fascination is with human consciousness. And neuroscience started emerging the more you and I got into our, our studies and our research and our work around consciousness. Neuroscience started emerging as a place to look to actually potentially maybe have some proof. Yes, yes, you're absolutely right, and I think uh, the the third uh, part of this equation was also was also that uh, both of us being coaches, I think we were looking uh, more and more for some kind of proof how this all works together and how beneficial it really is for our clients. Yeah, how how you know it's sort of the we we talk about one of the very first workshops we ever did was called magical Inter- magical intersections because we started seeing that there was this intersection between um the power of coaching the way that coaching seemed to be working to transform people and what might be happening in the brain as people transformed through coaching. And then, of course, there's many other ways that people transform as well, like meditation and other personal growth modalities. But those three, because you said because you and I are coaches, were really, really fascinating. I think we'll probably talk more about coaching on a later show. And today, if we can, you know, maybe um, talk a bit about how we got even got into uh what what we mean by consciousness and how we even got into that. Does that seem like a yeah. good place to start? That's a great place to start because I think that uh, it, this has really been a journey over probably <laughs> eight years at least, um, if if not more. And, and um, how many lifetimes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it certainly feels more like 800 years. <laughs> yes. 
um, I think uh, I think the, the certainly the way I re- remember it, um, our first uh, our first venture into consciousness really came from this perspective of uh, do, how do we see the world? Do we see the world either from uh, a perspective of you know fear and uh, anxiety, or we see the world from a perspective of expansion and creativity and love. So I think our very first uh, question was, well, is it is it really um, love versus fear? You know, the Margaret Wheatley um, wisdom and um, uh, well, the Margaret the Wheatley. Early- yeah, right. Margaret Wheatley, there were a lot of early contributors to that early thinking that we were reading. Neil Donald Walsh was a really big one, I think, for me at the time, Byron Katie, um, uh, Marianne Williamson. I mean, we were reading a lot of those people about eight or ten years ago, um, Meg Wheatley exactly, saying there seems to be, there's, there's a, it was resonating, as I recall, that there was this sort of these energy force fields of some kind that were shaping human behavior and really shaping results. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and that whatever you were doing within this this energy field, whether it was love or fear at the time was what we were looking at, was going to really dictate the results. And I remember that when we first started talking about that, I remember you, this is how I remember it, I don't know if it's actually true, but you sort of putting your fist down on the table and saying, well, you know, whatever whoever you are being that's the results you're going to get and i just you remember that that brilliance that you brought in so many years ago and it was like oh yeah that's the key to the whole thing yeah i i i really uh really that really was the beginning and really our our own uh journey into uh, experimenting with that and uh yeah and and then again as a sort of the next uh, the next juncture or the big next big crossroads i think was for us to discover or ask the question well are all these energies actually the same is is love energy always the same energy? Is fear energy um, always the same? And I remember that you actually said to me, you know what? I think that's not true. Love energy is not always the same, and fear energy is not always the same. There yeah. are subtle differences. Yeah, well, we came really clear that there's a, there was a different resonance between anger and sadness. Mm-hmm. And there was a different resonance between courage and joy. And that even though courage and joy both both were in this general arena of of higher resonating energy, and sadness and anger might be in the lower resonating energy, they weren't. There was going to be something really helpful as we were working with this, and we started working with it right away with organizations and individuals. There was going to be something really helpful to be able to say, "Huh, how does it stack up?" Yes. Yes. So. And we were looking yeah. for a stacking system. <laughs> yeah, well, we said we need a we need a stacking system. I want to just take a little bit of a of a step back, though, and in, in maybe this is obvious, but I want to um, take a little bit more of a meta view because we're talking about consciousness, and so there's this whole question about, you know, what is consciousness? Um, you know, why do we talk about that? And so how, before we talk about kind of the stacking system and what we have come to believe, I want to just ask you, what do you think consciousness is? Why is it important? 
I know this is really a great, great question. It's actually a question I often still ask myself because um, it is, it's sort of a little bit of an overused word, I find, almost uh, now. But for me, consciousness, consciousness, of, of course, is awareness, but it is more than that. Um, it is, it's awareness. I would say consciousness is, is awareness, and it is a ver- awareness also on an energetic level. It's hmm. feeling the that? energies. Ah. You know, so we, we can have, for example, we can have awareness that, you know, something isn't working. We see the results. You know, we, we notice on a doing level potentially that something is out of whack. But consciousness for me is more on, on the, is, is more the awareness of what's going on on the being level. Mm. It's and the your, feeling. And the degree to which you can be aware of that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. The degree to, to how I can be aware of it and the degree to how I can be present to it, for me, really describes the level of consciousness because the, the awareness level, right. yeah and the way the, the level of awareness and being present that for me is sort of wrapped up um in the same in the same bundle how would you yeah. describe it well no, i know i i really like that and um as we talk about neuroscience um i'll talk about that you know in the in the brain stuff it, the idea that there are different levels of consciousness and there's different ways of being aware and there's you know people who are aware of awareness and people who aren't aware of even awareness that's not something that is i think very broadly um embraced by most of the scientific community mhm Primarily what the scientific community is concerned about in this area is whether we are conscious at all or just sort of, you know, like, do we have free will? These are the questions that they're saying, if we are conscious, where does, where does awareness itself exist in the brain? And you and I have kind of jumped forward and said, along with, with others, too, we're not the only ones by any means, but we've jumped forward and said, we're, we're going to take that as a given, we're going to take as a given that we are conscious. And what we're interested in is how conscious are we? Are we in a state of, you know, so when I think about consciousness, I think about am I in a state where I am so unaware that I'm just walking through the world reacting to everything? Yes. Without any free choice or real efficacy, life is just kind of happening to me. Mm -hmm. Or... Am I aware that I am somehow, in some way, creating my life? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, maybe creating my life is at the highest level and there's a middle level where I'm at least aware that I have some choices. Mm-hmm. And, and choices that like not on, that and choices I would I would imagine that are not only on the doing level because I think that is what we're familiar with that we have choices on taking actions that lead to certain results and and I I I hold and I know you do too that consciousness and choice also exists on a on a on a different level on a deeper level. Yeah, and I think that's part of the subtleties of as, you know, when I think about, you know, if I had a metaphor for consciousness, it's not a perfect one. It's just what's coming to me in this moment. It's like, how asleep are you? Yeah. How 
how awake are you? Are you are you really awake and looking at everything? Are you half asleep and some some things are coming in and not? So I think at the lowest level of consciousness, I actually think it's possible that for some people they're not even aware they have much of a choice about what they do. Mhm. Mhm. And then yeah, it's, you, it's I I see this uh, uh, sometimes in 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 new clients that that come to coaching uh, that really certain events happen and they have no influence over them. Right, or they just say, I you know, well, I I couldn't possibly tell my mother I'm not coming to Sunday dinner. I can't. You know, yes. whereas at a higher level of consciousness, you start becoming aware that that can't is a choice. You start mm-hmm. saying, oh, really what the truth of the matter is, is I'm choosing not to because I don't want the consequences. Not you know, in one, of our, uh, in one of our coming radio shows, I would really like to talk about, um, you know, how, how do we know? How do we know where where we are? How do you know? Oh. Because it's it's true. I mean, I have that too. That I sometimes stand in front of a mountain and think, well, I really don't have a choice. Yeah. And no, and it's not. It is no. It's true. We we always have a choice. So what is? I you know, really would love to sort of look at that yeah, as a topic. That would that would be really great. So you know. That's it's helpful sort of to chew on this with you about what is consciousness in in general and sort of the level the level of awareness and I think that that's um, you know that's the kind of the the meat of our work that it has become and I think there's out on the website for the Blog Talk Radio there's a there's a, um, a PDF or a JPEG of our seven levels of effectiveness um, so just to kind of tell the listeners the story. That we that we got to before I distracted us with what is consciousness in general. <laughs> so I want to make this a, make this a little bit short and sweet. So yeah, after we got into this whole thing about love and fear as general choices in consciousness, sort of awake and asleep broadly, then a question of how asleep or how awake are you? We came across the work of David Hawkins, and we started working with um, his book Power Versus Force where he laid out a map of human consciousness. And after about six or seven years of working with this, we then took what we had learned and consolidated his work into a really a simplified model. I think I would say it's both sort of simplified in some ways, expanded in others, because what we've done with our seven levels, this is how I'm thinking about it now, Ursula, is we've simplified it into seven levels of energy, three below Mm -hmm. the line, four above the line, (coughs) in the general field of love, three in the general field of fear, four in love. (coughs) And then we've expanded it because we've said, here's how you work with it as a coach. Here's how you work with this organizationally. Here's how you recognize where you're at or where someone else is at. And here are the sorts of things that actually help people um, shift to a different level either around a certain issue or fundamentally in their life. Yes. That's and kind of uh, a, I, I really what yeah. I really like uh, about how you're framing this is that um really uh, I've loved David Hawkins' work and uh you and I did this for many years, but I also realized that that in-depth um 
look at energy is really, it's very, very complex and hard to remember for most people in their daily lives. And reducing it, or um, maybe not reduce, reduce is not the right word. Um, is, Simplify, is maybe. Simplifying it to seven levels has given it uh, simplicity without, I think, taking away depth. Yeah, you know, in fact, that's uh, anytime we start talking about the seven levels, I have to say my favorite quote, which is, I think, quoting myself at this point, which is that there, this whole idea of energy. Uh, whether it's two levels of love and fear or seven or David Hawkins has 17, even that is deceptively simple and endlessly complex. Yep. Yes, very true. Um, So uh, really our, you know, looking at David Hawkins' work and then creating the seven levels had really, has really given us uh, and other people, of course, by extension, a roadmap and a and a way to look at energy and consciousness in a more structures in a in a more structured way, which I have found really really helpful. So speak a little bit about I I love that you say that um, because it's it, it and I want to ask you a question. I want to say something first. I love that you say it's in a more structured way because there's a paradox there. Any time that we're talking about energy and human beings or consciousness in human beings or the brain in human beings, the structure is so important because the truth of the matter is it's completely chaotic. Yes. We are all over the place all the time. So tell me what's been helpful for you about having this kind of roadmap of structure given how complex we are. Well, you've you've mentioned the word chaos, and I think when I find myself in um, in particularly in below the line chaotic energy, it is great to look at the seven levels and pinpoint it. Pinpoint an area like where am I really energetically? Is it frustration that I feel, or is it anxiety, or is it uh, the lower energy of of hopelessness? It's given me um, and my brain, of course. Um, a, a piece to hold on to. And when I have that piece, I can actually then look at it clearer and calmer and, and really be curious about it and say, oh, this is frustration. I feel frustration. And I think and when, we have, when we get out of chaos and we get into clarity, it's much easier to shift. You know, that's an interesting thing, and this brings in some of the, some of the beginnings of, of the neuroscience, the you know, fascination that I have with that, um, because what they've found in studies is that even naming an emotion calms the emotion down. So yeah, the, that is that really is interesting. Do you, know, do you know why that is, like from a neuroscience perspective? Well, um, I I don't know what the studies say. What I would what I would make up about it, um, what what makes sense to me, is that when we're lost in the lower levels, like um, which we call hopelessness, fear, and frustration, and they're basically the energies of despair, of of the the general energies of fear, and then the general energies of of kind of anger. And you can kind of even just get them from the mm, hopelessness, fear, frustration. When you're there, what's dominantly operational, 
<laughs> Ursula, as you know only too well from how long we've been teaching this, is the limbic system. Yes. So it's our older brain. It's that brain mm-hmm. that is in charge of scanning for threats. It's the amygdala taking charge and saying, you know, everything's a threat, and it's pumping us full of chemicals that are that are designed to make us fight, flee, or freeze. Yes, and that's, yeah, you know that's. Uh, I mean, thank you. It's yeah. really that is. I mean, that's wonderful because what I one of the one thing you said it's 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 our old our old brain so to speak. Yeah. Um, and it's constantly scanning for threats because you know a thousand years ago or even maybe not even a thousand years ago, two hundred years ago, we needed to scan for threats because there was a lot of there were a lot of things out there in the world. Um, in regards to animals and enemies, we had to constantly scan for threats. So, and let me even bring it to up to today. So, you know, as some, some people know, and as you know only too well, I broke my, broke my hand really badly four weeks ago. You know, yes. I, fell down, I fell down the stairs. You know, that put my body into a state of threat. And what, what um, happened was, and I, I know this happened because I could feel it, um, I got pumped full of adrenaline and cortisol to help me deal with what happened. And one of the things adrenaline does is it actually helps reduce pain. And you know, it's gonna. There's a lot of things that are happening biochemically that are gonna be involved with the whole breakage and healing process. So it, it also, if I had noticed that I had falling down this was about to fall down the stairs, I would have had a fear reaction which would have saved me now i was in the middle of the night and i wasn't conscious right fell down the fell down the stairs but then the adrenaline is kicking in it's a protective thing mm-hmm. so, you know we need it to this day you're driving on the highway some idiot pulls in front of you you're going to have a little adrenaline pump through you hopefully so that you can respond more quickly yes yeah so i think the difference between today and you know even 200 years ago or maybe even 50 years ago is that we're living in this hyped up society where deadlines and urgency and you know the way the workload is keeps us in this feeling of constant adrenaline sort of threat state i think the 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 problem is that we are we're we don't know how to we used to be able to have something happen and then rest and recover and i don't think we have that rest and recovery time anymore you know that's uh, really uh, also when we when we look at uh, that's really external input you know through media yeah. television um, yeah. and just generally the way our world works but what really is uh, really fascinating to me in this conversation this uh, i think uh, is also because i had a coaching call a wonderful coaching call this morning um about that we are um we are our brain or our I don't know even I can't say brain because it's not the brain it's 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 something else and I'm I'm not saying this very very well but I think that we can be in a state where we even just mentally scan for threats for example in regards to technology I have to say to you I mean I have I had two big technology things happen this morning I had to record a very important call and it didn't work because I didn't have three-way calling. And then, you know, going on 
the Block Talk Radio, our first show. That's technology. And quite frankly, before I even started any of these two things, my brain, my mind, my me, myself, was already scanning for threats before I had even picked up the phone. Okay, so this is a great example of consciousness and one of the complexities of like of the seven levels of consciousness. So I know you to be a person who calibrates and operates in 99% of the areas of your life, or you pick the percentage, most of the areas of your life at a very high loving level. Um, which, you know, was demonstrated by the fact that when I got on Blog Talk Radio and I was a little frustrated, you laughed at me and we were able to calm down and do the, sh- do the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's that 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 laughter definitely is a good shifter. <laughs> yeah, raises consciousness. So I know you to be a person who is, you know, really awake. However, and this is true for all of us, there are areas of life and there are people in our lives who take us to a lower level of consciousness mm-hmm. where we are in that more limbic mode um, where we're automatically reactive. So you, so technology may automatically, that may be this one little area in your life where you're more prone to frustration. No. Yes, and 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 it 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 was a you know it was this coaching call where of course my client uh, teach always teach me more than I could teach myself. I know. Um, you know, my client was saying, well, you know, instead of expecting the worst, why don't we expect the 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 best? So yeah. instead of scanning for threats, why don't we scan for delight? Right, and there is a there's definitely a neuroscience principle we can talk about when we have more time. Um, another time that what and this is this is what spiritual teachers have known for thousands of years, and what is now actually being proven in the brain. And I love where these things intersect. Is that whatever you look for, you see. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to be in the perspective of looking for threats, you will see them. They're there. Mm-hmm. Are they there? Aren't they there? We don't exactly know because then there's quantum physics that says it's only there if you expect it to be there. So this all gets very layered and complex, which is why it's good we have a radio show and we can keep talking about it. I wanted to come back to why it may be that even naming where you are, and you said that's one of the helpful things about the seven levels is being able to say, oh, here's where I am, I'm in frustration. Naming the emotion is calming. When we're in this limbic state of reactivity um, and our bodies are being pumped full of adrenaline and, you know, fear, um, fear causing fear and causing, uh, causing us to actually not be as clear-headed. We're in a lower part of our brain where we don't think things through. We need to actually grab onto the upper part of our brain. So by even saying to a client or saying to ourselves, where am I? You're actually mm-hmm. activating a thoughtful process in our in your prefrontal cortex. You're activating some analysis, some things that this lower brain can't do. It can't it can only just sort of be and react. So anything that takes us to that kind of I look at it like like sticking a grappling hook up into my upper brain and naming the emotion is one of them. Um, looking at values would be another one, taking a new perspective. All of these are ways of sort of like grabbing this this 
consciousness that we have accessible and, you know, kind of making it work for us. The last thing about that is when we do that, this higher brain actually releases a chemical called GABA. And GABA is like the Pepto-Bismol of the brain. I love this. I picture it as this pink coating. It coats, it soothes, it protects. And what GABA does is it, it inhibits the cortisol and the adrenaline that are making us all wrapped up. Mm, so, yeah, you know that, what? Isn't that great? That, it's like just great. calming a, somebody down. It's a great it's a great analogy because I know what Pepto-Bismol does to my stomach. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it is wonderful so, to know that it could do the same for, you know, that it will do the same for my brain. Yeah, exactly. Looks like we've only got a couple of minutes left and we have so much to uh talk about. So we're going to be doing this every or so is this every month that we're going to be yes, doing Yes, we're doing it every month and uh, the way it's scheduled right now it's uh, every third Tuesday uh, of of every month. Uh, so um I will schedule the new one uh, the new show mm-hmm. in August. Um, and then we will put that up on the website, uh, and it will be same call-in information and dates um, and topics will appear on our website. And then also on your blog, and will you just share with our listeners what the yeah. blog is where they can read more on the neuroscience? Yeah, absolutely, and I want to share, I want to share a couple of things. One is that, yes, I have a, we have a blog both on our website, Be Above Leadership, um, which is a blog that looks at the uh, beaboveleadership.com, and that looks at various aspects of um, human transformation and human development. And then there is another blog that is specifically for coaching and leadership and the brain, and that's yourcoachingbrain.wordpress.com. And there's a lot of really interesting stuff out there. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, Ursula, is that for coaches, for experienced coaches, you don't need to be certified, but you do need to have some good coaching experience. We are doing a series that we're called the Advanced Coaching Series, Neuroscience of Transformation. And what we do in this is we give you the really deep research on neuroscience and we look at how you can use that in the service of the transformation of yourself and your clients. It is yeah. absolutely fasc- fascinating. It's a four-module series, and we're starting in August in Minneapolis and September in San Francisco and November on the East Coast in an intensive. It'll be um, two modules together in, uh, the, in Pennsylvania. Yes, so, and uh, information, again, is, is on our website. And, well, I I loved our conversation, yeah. and there is more to come, more on neuroscience, more on consciousness, and uh, more on questions that clearly we both have and continue to have. So thanks, my dear. Yeah, um, thank you so much. Have a, and, have um, a, great, have a great day, and uh, to our callers, um, the calls will be archived as well. So if you didn't manage to come on live, they will be archived. Anything else? No, thanks for listening, everyone, and we love sharing this conversation with you. Have a great day. Yes, you too. Okay, bye-bye.